Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this Sabbath, and we thank you for your grace. As we study about you, may you reveal your great grand plan for our lives. May I decrease and you continue to increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today in this presentation, I would like to divide into three parts. The first part, I just would like to highlight the mental health among the health professionals. That because that's the overarching theme that we're discussing, healing, surviving, and thriving. Now, I know that, you know, we have discussed about this and we have covered about this, so maybe a lot of it will be somewhat repetitive, but I just would like to highlight these new epidemics among the health professionals. Secondly, I would like to share with you the biblical perspective of wholeness. In particular, I'd like to highlight about the role of Christian character. And finally, I'd like to share with you my personal reflection in my work as an interventional cardiologist and also some practical suggestion how we can maintain our prayer life even when we are so time poor. First of all, this is a major issue. Epidemiology-wise, in terms of mental health, is a major issue. The prevalence of burnout among physicians and other health pr practitioners is ranging from 20 to 80%. When you think about it, that is extremely high. This is published recently in Lancet 2018. In fact, the statistics goes even worse. According to Beyond Blue, one in five medical students and one in 10 doctors had suicidal thought in the past year. Medical student, how many of you here are medical students or students in general? How would you like, you know, do you remember when you got into medical school, how proud you were, how excited you were? And guess what? The statistics are waiting you. Not very good. One in five medical students had suicidal thought. Male doctors work longer hours and engage in more risky drinking. However, female doctors think about suicide more often. And young doctors work longer hours, more burnt out, and think suicide more often. We have a major epidemic in the medical practitioner. In fact, this graph shows, in terms of high psychological stress, if you are doctors, in Australia anyway, you are twice as likely to experience high psychological stress when compared with average Australian population and could be four or five times more likely to feel this compared to other uh, professionals. Now, this may manifest in various ways. Some could be emotional exhaustion. Some could be cynicism. Have you experienced that? You're being cynical about your patient. You kind of make jokes and fun about your patient. Hmm. Some of them is low job efficacy, means that you don't feel as if your job is fulfilling. I'm sure you all can relate to that in some point of your life. In fact, the statistics continue that doctors also, in Australia anyway, are more likely to experience suicidal ideation as well. Now, this is not a good statistics that we have. How about if we break down into various specialties? Now, one thing that I find is fascinating about this is that even though, you know, you are a non-patient doctor, in other words, all you do is just administration or what you do is just research-based, you are also still experienced suicidal. That's kind of fascinating, isn't it? 
I thought everything in medical profession, the stress comes from the interaction with patient. Apparently not really. It's just the nature of medical work that is highly stressful. By the way, cardiology is not in it. Thank God. <laughs> Dermatology is not in it. You know what? I think this other actually refers to some of us here. So none of us are actually immune from this. Now, you might be thinking, well, you know what? I'm not a physician. I am not a, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a physiotherapist or occupational health therapist. The news just is not good for you. So, for instance, there are a lot of research that is being taken. See, all these things published just in the last two years, burnt out among healthcare professionals. This study looks into nursing staff, but also looks into nurse assistant as well as physician assistant. What about dentist? You're not immune either just because you work from nine to five. There is burned out depression, suicidal ideation in dental and dental hygiene students. You know, we talk about emergency nurse, systematic review of 25 years of research. And finally, if you think physiotherapists or allied health staff, you're immune from this, look again, think again. If you look into this paper published, this is, you know, Australian paper, you will look that the rate of burnout, depression, suicide is also quite prevalent amongst all other health staff. You know, how are we as Seventh-day Adventist physician, doctors, medical students, nursing staff, allied health staff, how are we to maintain a mission focus at our work yet at the same time surviving and thriving in our work? That is a great question and challenge that we have to address. Now, obviously, in my talk today, I just would like to highlight about the role of prayer and spirituality in our life. When I use the word prayer here, it is interchangeable with the word devotional life. You see, Ellen White wrote this in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 5, page 446. She says, the duties of the physician are what? Are arduous. You know, I work in a practice that, that belongs to a corporate international company. So each year in cardiology arm itself, in total we see about 3,000 new consultation, do about more than 6,000 echoes. And you know how it is like in corporate world, right? The top one will start doing pressure to the next in line. And the next in line will do what? Pressure to the next in line. And that continues until the bottom rank, basically. And as physician, we are kind of pretty close to the bottom rank. We are expected to perform so much in our work and so busy that sometimes the burdens are just too big. And Ellen Watt recognizes this. The duties of the physician are arduous. Few realize the mental and physical strain to which he is subjected. Every energy and capability must be enlisted with the most intense anxiety in the battle with disease and death. Often he knows that one unskillful movement of the hand, even but a hairbreadth in the wrong direction, may send a soul unprepared into eternity. Might as well you can use that phrase, one unskillful movement, with one wrong prescription or one misdosing of medication. You can almost change it to, you know, one lack of empathy, sympathy to your patient. May send 
a soul unprepared into eternity. How much faithful physician needs the sympathy and prayers of the people of God? Does your church pray for the doctors or nursing staff in the church? She says, how much faithful physician needs the sympathy and prayers of the people of God? His claims in this direction are not inferior to those of the most devoted minister or missionary workers. Deprived as he often is of needed rest and sleep and even of religious privileges of the Sabbath, he needs a double portion of grace, a fresh supply daily, or he will lose his hold on God and will be in danger of sinking deeper in spiritual darkness than men of other callings. And yet often he is made to bear unmerited reproaches and is left to stand alone, the subject of Satan's fiercest temptation, feeling himself misunderstood, betrayed by his friends. You all can relate to this, right? As physician often, I say, is a lonely job. You don't get thankful when things are right or rarely get thankful and you get all the blame when things go wrong. You see, folks, how do we address this? Now, first of all, I'd like to talk about God's will. This is a biblical principle. How many of you here have ever asked, what is God's will for my life? I'm sure you have asked that question, right? Well, you know, I have good news for you. It's all in the Bible. The Bible says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. For God, the first and primary purpose for you and I is your sanctification. Because you know why? He desires our salvation. That's the first thing. And at times at work, he might not have that very career you want simply because he cares so much more for your salvation. At times, He doesn't give you the very things you want because He cares for other salvation and He deliberately puts you in that circumstances so that you can reach out that very person for that person's salvation. And God says, furthermore, Now may the God of peace Himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Lord Jesus Christ. Sorry, just next, next. And you know what the good news is? Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So God is the one who is going to do the sanctification in spirit, soul, and body. Now, these three are probably something that you're familiar of. Body, soul, and spirit. What is body? The Greek word for that is soma. That's why we have the somatosensory cortex. We have somatization disorder. That's body, the one, our physicality. What is soul? In the Greek word, soul is psyche. What words come out of psyche? Psychology, the study of the mind, thought, behavior, mental, etc. But what about spirit? This has confused me in the past until I came across this quotation by Ellen White's writing. She says, our personal identity is preserved in the resurrection, though not the same particles of matter or material substance as went into the grave. The wondrous works of God are a mystery to men. The spirit, the what? The character of man is returned to God, there to be preserved. In the resurrection, every man will have his own character. God is interested to sanctify not just our body, Not just our mental, 
but he wants to sanctify our character. That's his will for you and I. Why do I talk about this? Because she continues saying, Ellen White, in Desire of Ages, page 307, true character is not shaped from without and put on. It radiates from within. If we wish to direct others in the path of righteousness, the principles of righteousness must be enshrined in our own hearts. The consistent life, the holy conversation, the unswerving integrity, the active benevolent spirit, the godly example, these are the mediums through which light is conveyed to the world. As Christian Seventh-day Adventist physician or allied health practitioner, first and foremost, God wants us to have a godly character. A true character that defines who we are. It's not so much about how smart you are or how good you are with your skills. Sure, those are important. Patient won't have confidence if you are lousy with your work. But at the same time, character is what defines us. Notice what she says. You know what? I can just meditate on this word all day. Mental ability and genius are not character. Reputation is not character. A good character is a capital of more value than gold or silver. It is unaffected by panics or failures. How do you like that? It is unaffected by failures or panics. Integrity, firmness, and perseverance are qualities that all should seek earnestly to cultivate. Strength of character consists of two things, power of will and power of self-control. Many youth mistake strong, uncontrolled passion for strength of character. But the truth is that he who is mastered by his passions is a weak man. You cannot fake character. Yes, for body, you know what? If you're bold like me, you can do hair transplant. Looks good, right? If you feel down in the dumps, you can try to put on a different face. Do you know what I'm trying to say? But character, it will radiate from you. And by God's grace, I pray that God will give each one of us His character. That's the most important thing. That's a capital of more value than gold or silver. No wonder Ellen White says in Christ's Object Lesson, page 340, character is what? Character is power. Now, why do I say this? In fact, we'll come back to that question. Remember, the Bible says, God will sanctify you wholly, Spirit, soul, and body. Why is he interested so much to form your character? Yes, he's interested because that's for your salvation. But also he's interested in making a transformational character in our life so that when we minister to our patients, for the psychiatrist, when you minister to the mental health of your patient, in turn, you will be able to impact this man's character. That's what he wants us to do. He doesn't want us to just give a script so that patient goes home and gets well. No. He wants us to do a lot more than that. He wants us to be a medium through which he can channel his blessing to others, awake the need of someone's need of God, so that in doing so, God can transform that man's character. 
Why does God want to transfer that man's character? Because he wants that man to be saved. He wants that woman to be saved. He wants that child to be saved. That's what he tries to do. Because you know what? Evangelism is the passion of God's heart. Man's salvation is the passion of God's heart. That is the center of God's activity. You know what? No wonder here in this text, Paul says in Acts 24, 16, Herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. Daniel purposed in his heart he would not defile himself. Joseph says, How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? These are men of character. And as doctors, nurses, allied health staff who trust in the three angels' message, I believe we all too need the character of God in our life. Now, the last 10 minutes, just a few practical suggestions on how we can maintain our prayer life, how we can maintain our devotional life that is so important to form our character that will shine through in our practice. You see, in the same book, Testimonies for the Church, she says, physician needs a double what? A double portion of grace, a fresh supply daily. When it mentions double portion of grace, what comes into your mind? What Bible story comes into your mind? Huh? Elisha, right? Elisha and Elijah. Remember, Elisha said, give me the double portion. Why did Elisha want the double portion from Elijah? Who gets double portion in the Old Testament? It's the eldest one, right? They receive what we call birthright. It's a spiritual blessing. That's what the physician needs. When you think about fresh supply daily, what text came into your mind? I die daily, that's right. How about lamentation? His compassion fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. So the first thing, I believe, when we want to maintain a healthy spiritual life is set a time and start early. You know, as I said, I work very long hours at work. I start very early, and then, you know, your clinic officially starts from 8.30 to 6, and then after that, you still need to see patients in the private land. And then every week, I travel to various places at least once. So when I travel, you know, to Broken Hill, Port Augusta, etc., I have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And then come back home, 10 o'clock. Long hours. So when you try to take holiday, just for one week, you come back, you have over 100 documents to sign off. Lead a very busy life. Always, you know, exhaustion, etc. But always try to set a time early every morning. Always try to wake up at 5 o'clock. By latest, 5.30. Why? because we need to give enough time with God. So my daily habit normally is you wake up, you pray for about half an hour, and then you start doing your devotional study for 15 minutes. The Bible says, I love them that love me, and those that seek me early shall what? Shall find me. Proverbs 8 verse 17. We have to set a time no matter how busy we are. And in fact, the busier we are, the more time we need with God. Secondly, keep an attitude of prayer throughout the day. What about memorizing scriptures? 
You know what? Recently, I found this amazing invention called Audio Bible. I never knew they existed until about a few months ago. I discovered this, and I thought to myself, this is the best thing. So normally, driving at work, because I go to various places, I just listen to the Bible. And you know what? As you listen, you start getting more and more insights that I, that I never thought before. Keep an attitude of prayer throughout the day. And what about pray before taking procedures? Every time before I do my angiogram or angioplasty, I always say what a prayer. Quick or short that might be. And every morning my prayer has always been, Lord, help me today to be the agent of life and not death. Help me to be the channel whereby you can shower your blessing to others. And you know what? When you pray that prayer, God will make it happen. God will make it happen. You know, this is why I like David. He says this, Psalm 55, 16, 17. As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. How many times does he pray? Evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice. Psalm 119, 163 and 164. I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. How many times a day do I praise thee? Seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgment. How many times a day do you praise God in a day? How many times a day do you praise God for His commandment? You see, David does that. When you read the book of Psalms, or when you read the book of Job's, it's not all pretty, is it? It's full of anger. It's full of disappointment. It's full of all these things. And yet, why do they have resolution? Because they keep a prayer attitude in every day of their lives. And when we do that, by God's grace, we too will grow. You know, I like this quotation in Ministry of Healing, page 474. We are to look upon every duty, however humble, as sacred, because it is a part of God's service. Our daily prayer should be, Lord, help me to do my best. Teach me how to do better work. Give me energy and cheerfulness. Help me to bring to my service the loving ministry of the Savior. We are to look upon every duty, however humble, as sacred. Now, sometimes, you know, we think that certain jobs are more flashy than the rest. Isn't it right? You know, when you're an intern or resident, sometimes you feel you're just a paper pusher. Isn't it? I remember when I was an intern, I was asked to carry food from one department to the other. You know what? I do it joyfully. Because you know why? Because we are to look upon every duty, however humble, as what? As sacred. If we're not faithful in our little things, how can God entrust you in big things? If you think at church, as the elders, you're not allowed to wash the toilet... How can you God entrust you in big things? Be faithful in little things and God will grant you faithfulness in big things. The next thing is to be mission focused. You know what? I like this quotation. Strength to resist evil is best gained by aggressive service. I want to share a fresh story. Just happened two weeks ago. The best story to share is what happens the most recent one. You know... The other day, I met a patient. He came to me after having few cardiovascular investigations. And, you know, there is this worry looks in his face, you know. 
I think nearly every cardiac patient has this worry look, because you only have one heart, right? So, uh, so, so this guy came to me, and I assured him that your test is okay. But because of his past life, he's very worried, and he kept saying, Doctor, essentially he wants to be rest assured that he's not going to have heart attack ever. That's what he wants me to reassure him. So I said to him, I can't give that. I'm not God. That's what I said to him. That's how I generate this spiritual conversation, you see. I can't give you. I'm not God. Uh, and he continues saying, and I said, look, you know what, my friends, what you need, what you need is faith. We need faith, don't we? And that's how we started the conversation. I said, we need faith. You know what, I need faith in the chair that I'm sitting on that the guy who designed it, designed it in such a way that it's not going to fall apart. We need faith to be in this room so that, you know, that, that people who design this building design it in such a way that it's not going to collapse, right? And I begin sharing with him why we need faith. Because we are a human being that is limited by circumstances, I said. That's why we need faith. And I would suggest, I said, that we need faith in the higher being. That's how you continue the spiritual conversation, you see. And then uh, after chatting with him and his wife, he asked me this question. You know what, may I ask you a question? You know what, I sense something different about you. This is his very word. And he said, you seem to be a man of some faith. May I know what belief do you have? That's what he said to me. So uh, I said to him, well, uh, I am a Christian. That's what I said. Because, you know, you never know where this guy is coming from, right? And then he said, but you know what? What, what kind of faith? I know Christian is so general. So he said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist Christian. And, uh, and this is what he told me afterwards. He came from one of the regional Australia, and he said to me, you know what, I grew up as a Catholic, but our family wasn't very spiritual, and that's probably why I ended up in this mess, he said. Look, you know what, having done this conversation with you, I sense that I need to seek spiritual blessing." You see what, after that moment, all those yelling that you received from different patients didn't matter, did it? Isn't it? Having said that, all that, all that pay didn't get through didn't really mean too much, right? After those kind of moments. You see, if you maintain a mission focus at work, the pressure of life isn't going to break you. But it is when we are self-centered. It is when we are so absorbed in making it good for ourselves. Everything is about you. That's when things will start breaking apart. Lastly, have an accountability partner. Faithful physician needs the sympathy and prayers of the people of God. Now, but praise God, I am married. I have uh, three children, seven, five, and seven months. So things are quite busy at the moment in our lives. Maintaining work-life balance is not as straightforward, put it that way. But you know, one, one habit that me and my wife try to do is we try to keep each other accountable. So every morning, we have separate devotion. So I go, because I, I normally wake the earliest, 
So I have my own devotion, and she would have her own devotion, and then we, have, we would have family worship, morning and evening as well. And, and during the day, I would call her and say, hey, of course, we chat about things. And then I would say, hey, what did God speak to you today? And then she would share with me, and she said, what, you know, what God spoke to you today? And we shared to each other how God impacted upon us that day. You see, it is important for us to have accountability partner, to have someone to pray with, to have someone to pray for. For those of you who are part of a care group, praise God. Keep that going. For those of you who are part of a Sabbath school prayer group, praise God. Keep that coming. It is important for us to be accountable to each other. And as we continue to set a time every day and start early, as we keep an attitude of prayer throughout the day, as we are being mission-focused, as we are continuing cultivating an accountability partner, by God's grace, our character, our godly character will shine through. And through using that means, God will bless it and use it to further His work and extend His kingdom and glory. I pray for me and for all of you that God will continue to use us to sanctify and bless the world through our work. God bless you. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.